Welcome back to the Strength and Speed Podcast. I'm your host, Strength and Speed owner and Conquer the Gauntlet Pro, Evan Preparis. I've got a guest with me on the line. This episode is brought to you by Folds of Honor. Folds of Honor does scholarship money for children whose parents were killed or wounded in action. And our, our guest is related to that topic. And when I was lining up this episode, I couldn't decide if I wanted to do a bonus episode, which is kind of like not fitness focused, or just a regular episode. So I'm kind of leaving it as a regular episode. Uh, but joining me, I'm going to read his bio and then he'll say hi. I have uh, Joe Kent. Joe's a retired Special Forces Warrant Officer with over 20 years of service and 11 combat deployments. Began his career in 1998 at 2nd Battalion, 75th Ranger Regiment, and went to Special Forces Assessment of Selection in 2001. Upon successful completion, he spent 10 years at 5th Special Forces Group before attending U.S. Army Special Operations Command Capabilities Integration Group. Joe holds a BA from Norwich University in Strategic Defense Analysis and has written about U.S. foreign policy for Fox News, CNN, Newsweek, Breitbart since retiring from the Army. So, Joe, welcome. Hey, thanks for having me on. Yeah, so I'm really excited to have you on. Um, for our listeners, we were on the same team back at Fifth Group together. And, you know, I always respected your opinion. You were the smartest guy on the team. Just really excited well, to have you on. <laughs> and what's interesting is I've actually referenced you several times on this podcast, although I never use your name because you're I thought you were still out there uh, doing special operations stuff. So I didn't want to, since you use your name in a public forum, if I didn't have to. Appreciate it. Man. I, I, I've been a, a non, non-cool guy, secret squirrel for a little, for like two years now. So it's still weird. I've gone from being like, you know, hush, hush to like, Hey, look at me and follow me on social media. Right. <laughs> right. It's a weird flip. Switch it's definitely, to flip. definitely an odd transition. Yeah. 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 You know, and um, for those, you know, those who aren't in the military, you know, like, Personally, you know, I've done a decent amount of stuff in the army and people are always like, thank you for your service. And you're like, well, you know, there's guys who do a lot more than me. And the um, same thing in the obstacle course racing world, like when people will give you accolades or, you know, praise for certain stuff. And you're like, well, you know, I know this other guy um, who's a much better obstacle course racer than me. But when I think of when I compare that to the military, the person I'm always thinking of when I'm like, oh, there's there's other people that do a lot more than me. The person I'm always thinking of is you. <laughs> To be honest with you, because you've you've done so much. And when I got to the team, you had spent half of the Iraq war in Iraq, like chronologically half of the time you were in Iraq and you weren't you weren't just like, oh, I'm going to go sit in an office like you were out doing stuff for those entire that entire block of time. So what was how many months did you end up spending in Iraq? Oh, man, I'd have to do some beer math. I, I think it. I think if I included like a Yemen trip in there, it's like five years deployed, probably a little, little over. Um, yeah. yeah. A lot of that. And a lot of that in Iraq, I just, for some reason, couldn't avoid, <laughs> couldn't avoid going to Iraq. So yeah. Yeah. yeah you, man. It was a, it was a good experience. Though. I love- and one of my favorite stories is, so in the army, you have to do these like reverse, it's called reverse SRP where they like essentially like reintegrate you and go through all these like health checks, make sure you're doing fine. And my favorite part was you came back from that Yemen trip and basically turned around and went back to Iraq with us. And, and the guy in the SRP was like, he's like, you, you can't go back. You, you just got home. And you're like, no, no, dude, I'm, I'm getting on the plane regardless. Like, let, like let, let's make this happen. The one honest guy at SRP. Like, yeah, all, yeah. All the times I deployed, I think that was the one time they were like, hey, wait a sec. Everybody else is just, you know, stamping the paper. Yeah. All right. So I wanted to bring on the podcast because, you know, We've had gold star wives on the podcast, um, but I've never had a gold star husband. And for those who aren't familiar with the term, gold star is when someone dies in combat overseas. 
like I said, you know, I, I don't know anyone who's given more to this country than you. And when I found out the news about your wife, I was just completely shocked. And, uh, you know, it, as a, as a military guy, I always look at the, you know, that they, they, they say men, men and uh, female, a female died uh, in this incident. And I looked at the male names first. Cause I'm like, well, I don't know any women really in the military. Um, because our, our community is so predominantly male that I completely glossed over the name. And I actually ran into one of our other teammates uh, like a year down the line. Well, not a year. It was probably like a couple of weeks. And he, uh, he mentioned it, and I was just like, whoa. So um, I guess let's kind of gave away a little bit of the ending there, but let's kind of start at the beginning or start wherever you, you feels good to pick up. And, you know, tell me about Shannon and kind of um, some of your experience there. Yeah, so um... – Shannon and I met in a, in a special, the special operations unit that I ended up going to selection for. And um, once I left fifth group, I went there and that's where I met Shannon. We had met briefly before in, in Iraq, because as you mentioned, I, I spent a lot of time in Iraq. <laughs> um, so we had met, had like a 15 minute conversation once in 2007. Uh, she was a uh, Arabic linguist and then a uh, cryptologist. So a, a SIGINT specialist. So I talked to her in 2007 once about the location of, some some bad guy we were trying to run down um but then once i got through uh selection i met her in the in the training course uh that we were uh in so she had gotten picked up for the same unit that i was in so we started dating and, and got married about a year later um, started the family really really fast um but shannon had been in the special operations community for for quite a while at that point so she started out her career right after uh, 9-11. She's a New Yorker. Her dad's a New York State trooper. Her uncle's a New York City firefighter. So they were both uh, first responders to ground zero. And then Shannon, being being the way she was and really her, the way her family was, her and her younger brother, who's about a year younger than her, both went and ran down recruiters and, and joined the military. So Shannon knew she had a knack for languages. She self-taught Spanish and French and Portuguese, just had that had that uh, that desire to learn about foreign culture. So she walked in all the recruiters offices and said, Hey, I want to learn. I want to learn Arabic. And the first people that said, sure, we'll send you to DLI was the Navy. So she enlisted in the Navy. Um, her little brother was, was right behind her. Uh, he joined the Marines. He's still on active duty today. Um, but Shannon went and knocked out DLI, learned, learned the Arabic language. And then after that, just started volunteering for deployments, which, like you said, that's kind of what I had a had a knack for as well. So that's kind of we actually bonded over a lot of like constant deployments to Iraq type of <laughs> type of thing, kind of a weird thing to you know uh, bond with with your with your girlfriend and then later your wife. But that that was kind of initially our uh, our thing, what what we clicked over. So she she started out in uh, 2007. She got put up in Balad where the Special Ops Task Force was, and then from there did did what Shannon did. She started volunteering to get closer and closer to the fight and. Uh, she got assigned to some SEAL strike platoons. And this is before I think the SEALs were really big on homegrown their own intel. I think they were doing a lot of top-down type of intelligence. But around that time frame, the the uh, the SEALs started wanting to do, you know, targeting from the bottom up. And so Shannon kind of filled the role where she was like, hey, I'll go out and I'll talk to some of the Iraqis. Like, I feel like I have a pretty good mastery of the Iraqi dialect. Um, and so she got to cross-train and human intelligence collection she got invited. She was in the first class of women to be invited to the direct support training course. So for usually for guys to go out and accompany Navy SEALs on targets. So like the, your, your bomb disposal guys, your dog handlers, that, that type of thing. So she was one of about, I think three or four women that were in that initial class and she got picked up. 
and then she did uh, three more trips to Iraq, and then she got to go to VSO, uh, so Village Stability Operations, and living in a little Afghan village in Afghanistan, uh, doing the same thing. So she got picked up eventually for the uh, the same special operations unit that I ended up in, um, and that kind of be began her or that culminated her career really. Um, yeah, so that's that's where we met, and that's kind of how we we made our little family together. Yeah, I we uh we came to your house like right after the the birth of your first child. So uh, that was the only time I got to meet her. Uh, but it was yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it was great to touch base with her and a lot of common connections there. I'm from New York, and uh, my godfather responded to Ground Zero, who I've had on the podcast before. Um, and obviously, I obviously I know you. So um, you know, tell us about how you know she ultimately uh, died in service of the country. Shannon, after we started having kids, I mean, I kept deploying, and then she had mostly worked at the NSA on the on the watch floor. But she got involved in some other specialized type of training, um, which put her in a pretty specialized unit. Um, again, once again, and so her her time came to to deploy to Syria to go fight ISIS. Um, she had attempted to switch her her career path to become a, a psychologist. Um, got accepted in the psychology program. Knocked out her. Her master's um, passed the GRE kind of like in her, in her spare time um, while she had two kids while I was deployed half the time and while she was working at the NSA because that's just kind of how Shannon lived her life. But for whatever, she she had had uh, cancer in 2016 while I was in Iraq. It was just thyroid cancer. Um, and she got it cut out. Like she sent me a picture from the hospital that she's like, oh, I had cancer cut out. And I was like, oh, maybe you could have told me that. <laughs> but uh it was. It hadn't really affected her that much, but the little catch twenty two. The military, you know, says you can't go from enlisted to officer if you have a uh, not like a health condition, but they'll let you stay in the navy. So according to the catch twenty two military, she was fit to go deploy with special operations to Syria, but she wasn't fit to sit in a sit in a classroom and become a psych. So that was a that was definitely a, a pretty big disappointment for her. But at the same time, it was her time to go. To, to Syria and she knew that she was needed there. So she deployed uh, right after Thanksgiving in 2018 to join the task force out in, uh, out in Syria. Um, so she was, she was killed about two months later um, when she was out on uh, like an intelligence operation uh, by a suicide bomber in, in Manbij. Yeah. Wild. <sighs> and then uh, where were you uh, when you found out the news? Were you at work or were you, did you get like the standard? Yeah. Cause you're already well, you're in the I was community. at, I was at work. Yeah, I was. So I retired and I retired a couple months before that from the military, but I didn't really retire. I went, I went right into a job in the agency uh, or in the CIA. Um, and so I was deployed uh, as well. I was on like a 40 day trip, um, but I was over, over uh, overseas as well. And so I actually had a, a really, you know, weird notification process. So I, I knew generally where Shannon was going because we could communicate with each other on, on the secure systems. Um, and I was actually out that day doing doing some stuff as well. And I got back and a, uh, a friend of mine who actually was on my first ODA in fifth group with me, he uh, he said, hey, man, I you know, just got to talk to you real quick. And he kind of like told everybody that was in a little room to leave. And so I thought I'd screwed something up or, you know, whatever. And he was like, hey, there's been a it's been a suicide attack in Syria and there's two U S females that have been killed. So, I mean, I, we didn't have confirmation then, but I kind of knew. So I, you know, proceeded to try to get a hold of Shannon, Yeah. but it's like, like you said, there's just not a lot of women in the, 
you know, in, in the business. So within a couple hours, we, we had notification that, you know, it was, it was Shannon once they recovered her body. Um, so I had to, uh, I had to get back to America for one, which is another story. And then I had to, um, I had to actually call her parents and tell them because I didn't, I didn't want, I didn't want, uh, some random service member, you know, just to drive out there and bang on their door and tell them when I knew. So that was probably the hardest phone call I ever had to make was, uh, to Shan's mom to let her know that she was, that she had been killed in action. So, um, then after that, I had to get back to the States, which, which was actually pretty crazy. There's like some fifth group angles there. I, my, uh, good friend from my, my first ODA, who I was in country with, who did the notification. He helped, he helped get me out of country. And then I had another teammate who had um, crossed over years before to work for the agency. He, he met me kind of halfway and flew with me the way back. Um, and then when I got back to my house, there was um, literally two of my, my friends from my first, my first ODA who, who were not in fifth group anymore, but they were um, still closed. They were there at my house waiting for me. So, you know, the whole, this whole thing's kind of a, kind of a, a really big really big community especially when it counts yeah 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 that's wild not the not the normal uh notification story absolutely not so that's kind yeah of it is yeah and um how old were your kids at the time at the time so my oldest son colt was three and then my youngest son was a year and a half okay does uh does he can he can he even remember anything I mean, a three-year-old, I'd assume, no, right? Does he remember his mother at all? Just out of curiosity. Yeah, I mean, three-year-old remembers, like, you know, some memories about uh, – he's, he's got a good memory. He remembers some stuff about mom. And then, you know, the the, uh, the one-year-old's three now, but he, you know, he kind of regurgitates what his older brother says. So we're, right. you know, got our pictures up everywhere. We try and talk about her every day. They can, you know, at least keep them the memories and, and understand who their mom is. And I'm working on a book right now. Um so, so I can tell her story for one. And then also so that later on someday, my, my sons can just, they can read that as opposed to having to listen to me, probably tell them the same stories over and over again. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's great. I'm definitely let us know when it comes out and we'll, we'll definitely share it. And I'm excited to read it. Uh, like I said, at the beginning of the podcast, you're always the smartest guy on the team. Um, I always valued your input above everyone else's. And uh, it was always, you know, whenever it, it's weird. Um, so that people are listening. They may not be familiar with the way the military works. Like as an officer, I outrank a lot of guys who have a lot more experience, especially in the special operations world. Right. So like, you know, you had already spent multiple years in Iraq when I showed up to the team and I, I, I had a fair amount of experience, but not, still about half as much as you. Um, so like, I'm, I'm supposed to give you direction and guidance and help you make decisions. And, but, but you're, you're giving me this, you're giving me input also. So, um, a weird really weird relationship especially in special operations like i said where the you know the team sergeant and the team has a lot of experience there so real excited to read the officers that. get thrown to the wolves yeah SF. <laughs> and i feel bad so at least at least when i came in i had a couple of combat deployments under my belt uh the guys yeah. coming in now they show up with nothing brutal yeah i feel i feel for them that's <laughs> that's rough so you know and i think in um we'll get it probably into this a little more later, but you know, in, in 2020 and 2021, the word hero gets thrown around a lot. And uh, I, I never, I never like using it because I think it's overused and I think it yeah. diminishes the value of the word, but you know, Shannon hero, like I absolutely no problem using that term and you 
like I said, when I, when people talk about, oh, thank you for your service, I'm like, well, you know, there's other people who do more. Like you, you are the person. You're like I said, you're the always the person I think of. So just a tremendous amount of respect for you, and uh, I, you well, know, I, I really appreciate that, man. Yeah. So, um, and I know you're doing great the things. Best endorsements. <laughs> yeah. I know you're continuing to do great things. We're gonna the best get endorsements I get from, from guys I work with. You actually wrote a letter of recommendation for me for some, another unit I was trying out for, and it worked because I got in. Um, but you know, I, I valued that letter uh, a lot, and uh, like I remember when they were when they were talking to me at the board, I was like, I was like, well, listen, if if Joe says I'm not good enough for this unit, then I'm not good enough because I I value his opinion that much. And I'm like, all right, so I don't know, it worked. I got there. <laughs> oh, it's good to hear. Yeah, nice. So, not to be too too much of a downer. Um, but you know, if you want to donate to Folds of Honor, the charity I just did a fundraiser for, the link's still up on my Facebook page and it'll be attached to this podcast. Uh, you can donate there. I think we're about 500 bucks away from hitting our $5,000 goal. But we're going to transition into more, a little bit lighter of a topics. Um, so you're in a whole, like we mentioned, a whole bunch of special operations units. And with special operations, right, you need to be ready to perform at all times, right? So it's not like a race where you kind of build up and taper and then peak um you know in special operations you need to be ready for you mean combat ready for deployment but then you're also like you're on deployment and you're also still working out so you're like training while going and then going on missions so like if i go lift legs heavy like walking around in body armor is significantly less fun um so kind of just take me through your some of your thoughts on uh you know how guys in special operations should be kind of doing their fitness prep, you know, like what's your opinion on where their uh, focus and energy should be? Yeah, man, like, like you said, the, the, the burden of like constantly having to be ready is, I think it's pretty challenging. And then depending on like what kind of team you're on, what kind of mission you're on, um, there can definitely be some, some variations, but I think in general, you have to find that balance between, you know, physical strength, um, because physical strength is, I think, just the foundation of, of durability because special operations is just so damn hard on your body, you know, running around in body armor, like you said. All the different selection courses involve running around with a heavy backpack on and just doing things that, in general, um, are not very good for your, your joints. So Terrible. having a strong base is, is key. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's, it's, it's like, the, like, like running in kit or with a ruck is probably like the dumbest thing you can do, but it's like almost a religion in the military, you know? So, but like the, the strength component there is really, really key. I mean, especially when you're talking about like your, I mean, core is an overused word, but your posterior chain and your legs. Um, and then also the upper body strength to, you know, get over get over all the obstacles and stuff, like just run around through battlefields and then, then straight up, you know, being able to overpower somebody is it, it, that's still very much a thing in our line of work. Like if you put hands on, if it goes to putting hands on somebody, like you need that upper body strength, but then the, then the cardio too, like you need to be able to go and go for a really long time and go fast at times. And then also really know yourself too. know, know, know what you're, your different paces are for different loads you're, you're wearing. Like, can I hold this pace all day? Or am I going to, am I going to be worthless in an hour if I keep doing this? I think that's, I think that's key. The, uh, the special standards, I, I don't think incredibly like you don't have to be a professional athlete to hit them. You just need to be Agreed, consistent yeah. and, and disciplined. Yeah. I mean like five miles in 40 minutes, like 
it's you mean you're not going to become a, a world class runner running <laughs> that, but I mean you you do to work at it. To, you know, you, I mean some guys can like not train up that much for it, but it eventually catches up with them. Um, but man, I, it's weird because when I came in in '98, like you said. Um, the army was super goofy um, with how we worked out. I mean, it was a, it was a runner's culture for sure. And I, I like to run, I know you do too, but like, it was kind of a religion. Like we just ran every morning and there wasn't much like, you know, um, I don't think it wasn't very methodical. It was just like, Hey, you run every day, like five miles or you're, or you're, or you're wrong. Maybe you can go for a road <laughs> march. Um, and then some of the meatheads we'd, we'd lift weights, but we'd go get like, you know, how to, how to get mega arms out of like some bodybuilding magazine. And yep. so we, we were just doing like the most non-beneficial type of type of working out. So I really think as, as, um, as like polarizing for me anyways, it, and CrossFit's like polarizing, but when I got into CrossFit, I realized really quick how actually like weak I was. I thought I was like pretty strong. Like I thought I had strong legs just cause I ran a lot and I could put on a ruck and body armor, but that kind of got, I think, um, SF guys back in the gym. And that was like a gateway drug into Thor three, where we actually brought in coaches who knew what the hell they were doing. So they could tell us, Hey, like you need to not run every day or just that. I mean, the balance, the balance, and the, if you can find balance and you can be consistent, like you'll, I think you'll, you'll build a solid base. Yeah, absolutely. The, the special operations having that Thor three program, it's, you know, essentially these collegiate trainers and, um, former athletes, you know, really giving us actual guidance that would actually help beneficial, make you make it beneficial to train for combat. And then for specific schools, like they, they actually would do like, here's a buildup period. Here's a taper period for, you know, getting ready for the school or getting ready for this deployment. And, um, you know, they all have, they all have NSCA CPT, right? So, uh, certification, uh, certified personal trainers, but then they also have masters in kinesthesiology, right? So very knowledgeable guys. And yeah, my favorite part about them, though, was they understood uh, the special operations mindset, right? So, like, I, I, I tore my pec uh, training when we were at fifth group, and I come in, and I'm like, I tore my pec. And the guy's like, okay. So, he kind of sits down and examines me. I'm like, supposed to do a 50K in, like, no, it was a 50, 50 mile or 50K. I don't remember. Supposed to do an ultra in, like, a couple of weeks. I was like, I still want to do it. And he's like, He's like, the right answer is for me to tell you not like, to do it. Do. Yeah. He's like, he's like, but he, here's the actual, here's the actual answer. You know, don't, if it, if the movements are hurting, don't do them and be very careful, especially on like a 50 K right. Or a 50 miler, because if I trip and I go to brace myself, I'm going to oh, yeah. put, yeah, I'm going to put a lot of paint through there and I'm just going to, cause it wasn't completely ripped. It was like partially, I was like, you're going to rip the rest of it off. And I was like, this is good advice. This is why I come to you. So. <laughs> Yeah, when I was trading for the uh, for the, the long walker, a different the different selection I went. That's like a ruck based selection. I went to them because I knew if I had built my own plan, I'd have been like, "Well, I'm going to ruck like three days a week or four days a week, so I can be like really good at rucking." And they were like, "Hey, check it out. You're going to ruck like once a week, and there's going to be weeks where you don't ruck, and we're going to work on making sure that your knees and your back are strong, and you're going to do cardio." that's low impact so that when, so that when you're actually in this long selection process and getting torn down, like you actually have a, you don't go there already beaten up. So that was, that was key. That was just key for having a sanity check for me. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, what would you recommend for guys who are getting ready for, 
let's say special forces selection or kind of any kind of serious military school, ranger school, special forces selection, maybe one of the other selections. Yeah, there's so much out there right now, man. Like soft late, I know you've done some stuff with them. They have phenomenal plans and they're super specific too. And they tell you like exactly what to do. They have the, you know, the ruck calculator for how much, you know, like I, I would just take a lot of the thought out of it and cough up the whatever it is, 30, 40 bucks a month and buy and buy one of their programs. Uh, Mountain Tactical, the military athlete guys, they have the same thing. I mean, he has, he's got it down to like, you know, buds and, um, you know, ASP versus SFAS versus MARSOC selection. So, man, I, I think, I think the damn kids that have it easy nowadays. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, you know, like there, there is a lot of knowledge out there. So I think guys can really get it. They can get a good, they can, they can, there's no reason for guys to like, oh, I think I'm just gonna, my buddy said, you have to do a hundred pull-ups and ruck a hundred, you know, hundred pound ruck. Yeah. Like, just read the the soft plan or the mountain tactical. And you'll probably be, do that consistently. And you're probably about, you know, 80% there really. Yeah, no, that's, that's really good advice. Cause I mean, back when I went through selection, it was basically, you know, you, you, like you said, you're, you're asking, you're asking other people's advice who've made it or maybe didn't make it and kind of yeah. trying to figure out what went wrong. Yeah. And it's a lot of, uh, a lot of stories and a lot of, most of them are nightmare stories. Yeah. Like I went there and my, my exactly. knee exploded and now I'm now whatever. And you're like, geez. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so you got to put duct tape on your feet and like, you know, just, yeah. Yeah. It's crazy stuff. Absolutely crazy stuff. But I will say the 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 even in the last twenty years, the gear that uh, we go to war with and train with has gotten exponentially better, right? Like the war on terror. Oh, this, I mean, it. I, I was just. Yeah. Uh, I'm getting ready to move, so I started packing up some of my stuff, and I picked up one of my old pair of boots, and I was like, "Are there lead weights in my boots? Like they were seriously three times as heavy yeah. as the boots I wear now." Yeah, I found an old pair of jungle boots, which is what I wore like in selection and ranger school and stuff and i put them i was like i can't believe i walk anywhere in these things compared to like you know my solos or my solomons or you know <laughs> yeah. man one point in time i was tough <laughs> yeah absolutely all right any any other final thoughts on kind of special operations fitness and um before we move on to the last little segment here and for for uh lack of any other you know fitness advice i'd say just like consistency will will get you will get you really far agree 100 percent. and uh also i'll throw in there that yeah. you know as far as fitness level on our team again you were at the top of the pile there so definitely definitely you I'm know definitely and, behind you on that man I, 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 <laughs> fair enough but besides that every you you were faster than all the other guys and i would say maybe not brute force stronger but as far as like being well-rounded, I mean, you were, you were definitely, definitely there. So yeah. Yep. Like, like I didn't have to worry about you showing up and, and failing something. I, definitely not. But right. <laughs> and I, I was sorry to see you go uh, off and do better things when I was still on the team. So that hurt me a little bit, but you know, again, it's for the, it was for the good of the <laughs> army and uh, you were still off doing great things. So yeah. I had no problem, uh, you know, letting you go for that. Cool. So speaking of, you know, I've been, I've been praising you a lot in this, um, this episode. And again, I think it's well-deserved, uh, but you made an announcement recently and you uh, kind of, like you said, switched your Facebook or you made your social media presence very public. So tell us yeah. what uh, the big news is and kind of what your plans are for the foreseeable future. 
Yeah, so I'm running for Congress in Washington State's third congressional district. So third congressional district is like right on the Oregon and Washington border, so south southern uh, Washington State. My district has one of the ten Republicans who voted for uh, the impeachment of President Trump, um, and then she's made a bunch of other bad decisions there as well. Prior prior to that, decisions that didn't necessarily put our country first. So I had planned to go back to D.C. Um, had had President Trump. Um, stayed in office and worked in the uh, the national security like realm of the of a second Trump administration. So knew I wanted to kind of get back in. I had a little temporary hiatus um, after my wife was killed from from government service. So I wanted to do something. After Shannon was killed, I kind of became a little bit more public um, about foreign about my views on foreign policy because they aligned very much with President Trump's desire to like get us out of the endless wars. So that was something I was working heavily on and, and then providing other options for counterterrorism. Um, so after seeing what happened in 2020, I knew I wanted to do something. And then my representative, who I voted for and campaigned for and, and kind of counted on to be a, a strong conservative, defected on us. So uh, as opposed to sitting around complaining about it, I figured, well, let's figure out how to become a politician and, and go take your job from her. So I'm uh, I'm about a month into being a politician now. So, <laughs> so, so here we are. I'm kind of on the campaign trail. I got a really geographically a very big spread out district it goes all the way from the from the, the pacific coast kind of all the way into in the middle of washington state so been on the road probably about three four days a week um meeting people and then just getting to hear from them what their what their issues are affects them and going to town meeting so it's uh it's been fast paced but but very enjoyable so far yeah and uh like i gave you a warning at the beginning of the podcast basically say i'm not gonna like Evan is not going to discuss politics, so I'm not going to say any, um, agree or oh, disagree I got you. I got you. anything you said. Um, but it, I do like um, like knowing you personally. I you're the type of guy who always makes things happen, right? So when I you know when we we're on a team together, if, if something had to be done, I and you were like, I got it. It would be like, oh, well, Joe's got it. I don't have to like go back and check on him or anything like right. Like it was going to happen, period, and it was going to happen regardless of how many obstacles kind of were in your way. You know, I think a lot of people think of politicians as um, basically a lot of talk and not a lot of action. Um, so I, you know, I'm excited um, as a friend to see you to see you run and put your efforts towards that. And like you said, you know, the um, well, better figure out how to become a politician if I want to instead instead of just complaining and like actually go out there and and try to make a difference. So pretty cool to see. It it also makes me feel like an adult, which is weird because. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna say it also it, it also makes me feel like an adult because I'm used to like us just running around with guns in some random country um and now it's like yeah like one of my friends is running for congress it's like that's pretty that's pretty wild yeah man it, it's it's funny you say that because I have the same thing being back on social media I've had guys I served with like you know back in Ranger Battalion or you know you know decades ago that have hit me up and they're like hey man I'm a union leader or I'm I'm I'm, you know, a successful businessman now. And I'm like, man, you know, thank God there was no iPhones back when we were kids because we were <laughs> privates, like, because <laughs> that'd have been the, you know, all kinds of trouble right now, but look, we're all grown up now. So it's, uh, yeah, no, it's been, been pretty interesting, man. But yeah, it definitely makes you feel like you're grown up. Yeah. And I'm, I'm guessing the area, you know, from what I, little I know about Washington and Oregon, that area, I, I assume it's, is the majority pretty far left-leaning? So we're, we are, my district is the slice of uh, red conservative that touches the Pacific Ocean 
on the west on the con on the uh, pacific coast uh, not counting alaska so in the continental united states so we um we have a very purple city uh, vancouver which is kind of a suburb of portland but other than that it's um it's fishing and it's timber so we are a, a fairly strong traditional conservative district um but we are we are contested territory. I like to talk to break it down in military terms. We're right between Portland and Seattle, so with a major highway going through us. So we're very affected by the a lot of the policies that I'd say the Pacific Northwest is famous for. They affect our our region, but people really out here don't want to fall at that. So it's uh it's going to be a pretty a pretty interesting election season. Gotcha. Cool. Well, and where can people find out more about you? Kind of some of your other beliefs, kind of what you stand for and uh, maybe, you know, how they can support stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Joe Kent for Congress.com. There's a, uh, there's links on there to uh, all my stances on the various issues. There's a email. You can contact me directly on there. And then if people can uh, donation, because I'm a politician now, I ask people for money all the time. This is probably the most awkward part of the whole thing. I'm getting more, I'm getting more used to it, but like, it's still, every time I go to do it, I'm, I just feel weird, but, but I have to do it. So, yeah. Yeah. I know uh, on your, on your social media, on your Facebook, uh, when we were trying to schedule this conversation, it was like every other day you're on some different talk show or some, uh, oh, yeah. some podcast or doing some public speaking engagement, right? Like it was hard. To, it was hard to simply get like a time slot with you to lock this down. So, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Sorry. It took so long. Yeah, no yeah, worries. Uh, yeah, it moves fast, man. So yeah, trying to trying to get it get my name out there as much as possible. Which again, like we talked about at the beginning, is it's weird from going to like you don't want anyone to know your name. To like yeah, I want to go talk about myself and ask people for money. But, right. Yeah. Uh, it's a name of the game now. S- similar experience, not quite as dramatic, with, of me going from uh, starting to do obstacle course racing, where like you need that public you need that public perception and you need that uh, social media uh, presence yeah. in order to get like things from sponsors and stuff like that. Otherwise you're since you have to pay for everything out of pocket. So I hear you, but it, again, more dramatic, yeah. but on your side. Yeah. I think some of those races you do. I think, I think me going having coffee with people is a little bit easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> All right, Joe, uh, we're going to get going uh, before we go. Uh, anything else you want to share with the group? No, that's it, man. I, I really just appreciate you having me on. Yeah, I know it was great catching up to you, catching up with you. And I know we've talked on text uh, a couple times, but really haven't talked in person much uh, in a couple of years, really. So you've, you've been busy, I've been busy. So uh, yeah, man. wish you the best of luck in the future and um, excited to uh, follow some of your uh, progress in the political arena and see how, see how it kind of plays out. Thanks again for coming on, Joe. Man, definitely. Thanks so much. All right. We'll uh, we'll catch up with you later. Mm